Thank you for listening to today's message. Avenue Church is a Christian church located in Las Vegas. For more information, visit avenuechurch.cc. Enjoy the message. Good morning, Avenue Church. Like uh, Lorenzo and Pastor Jeremy mentioned, my name is Joe Pena. I'm one of the pastors at Hillsong Las Vegas. And my lead pastors, Terry and Judith Chris, send their love and their greeting to you guys. And uh, yeah, let's give it up. Why not? Why not? And I don't know if you realize this, but there's a team called Team Jesus all over Las Vegas that is gathering Sunday mornings in high schools or church buildings. And we love being a part of that here in Las Vegas. We are very aware that we're not everything that God is doing. And so together, us, you, all the other churches in this city, we're doing everything we can to passionately reach people who are far from God. And so we just, we just love that. And I love your pastors. Uh, uh, Pastor Jeremy and Lindsay, I remember a few years back when they uh, took us to lunch and they're like, hey, we just got put a dream in our heart to start this church and we think we want to call it Avenue. We're not sure how or when or if we're even going to do this. And I know you guys stood up for me and I know your pastors aren't here right now, but they will be watching this. They may be watching this online at this moment. I actually don't know, but the Bible tells us to give honor where honor is due. They gave up uh, through blood, sweat, and tears. They planted and launched this incredible community. And not only that, they lead it, they pastor it into the future. And so let's just take a moment and thank God for our lead pastors here at Avenue. So if you're watching, Jeremy, your people love you. We love you. Danielle and I love you. You're incredible. Thank you for all your sacrifice, for your vision for this house. We're super grateful. It is making a difference in Las Vegas. Amen. I love Father's Day. I really do so much, guys. You know why? Because it's all about me. It's all about me. And I know I'm the pastor and today's church is all about Jesus, but Father's Day is all about me, at least in my household. And I, I have uh, two tween girls, and as complicated and interesting as that is becoming as I grow in my parenting and they transition into teenagehood, I just want to say that I love it. It's fun. It's an adventure. And that you could please be praying for me, okay? But today, we're not going to go that far into that because it's my day, and I don't want to get myself there because I'll get distracted, right? Um, but I love being a dad. It's an adventure. And this morning, I don't take it lightly. I have the privilege of bringing the, a word, a message to you this morning. And I believe that God placed this on my heart for you. He placed this for you. Maybe, I don't know what brought you in the church or who convinced you to come today, but I believe that God was the one that led you here because there's something that he wants you to hear. And, and, and today, as I, I'll be sharing a, 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 something from the Bible, not just a message, but a message from the Bible. And, and, and what's beautiful uh, just a, a, about the Bible is that it's relevant. I believe that it's relevant and that it applies to everyday life, that it applies to everyday life. And I believe that today, as, as I share this from the Bible, that we will be able 
to see God in it. Because that's one of the ways that we get to know who God is. And, and, and honest, if you read from Genesis to Revelation, there's one huge theme throughout the whole Bible. And that is God wants a relationship with you. God wants a relationship with you. And so if you're here today and you already have a relationship with Jesus, he wants to take you deeper. He wants to take me deeper. He wants to take us deeper. And if you're here today and you don't follow Jesus yet, um, he is ready with open arms, ready to welcome you in to, and to join him on this journey called life. Let's pray. If you could bow your heads with me. Dear Heavenly Father, I, I just thank you for this amazing day, for this amazing group of people here today that you love and that you favor. And this morning, Holy Spirit, we invite you to come do what only you can do. I pray, Lord, that the words that I speak today would be your words and that, Lord, we invite you to convict us. We invite you to change us. We invite you to challenge us. We invite you to have your way inside of our lives because we believe that your word applies to my everyday and to our everydays. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Awesome. Danielle and I, maybe you're not aware of this. Maybe this is the first time that we're meeting. Like, hey, what's up? It's good to meet you. It's good to be here. Good to be seen. Um, but my wife and I, we weren't always in uh, part of Hillsong, Las Vegas. And actually, uh, before here, we didn't even live in this state. There was a time that we were student pastors or youth pastors. And, and, and I, I'm going to take us back there for a moment. And, and, and I remember, uh, and I can't forget, it's, it's in my head, it's in my heart, this particular year that God was moving in such a powerful way, like unusual things started happening. We saw teenagers experience God in such an amazing way on this particular summer. The kind of transformation and change that you're like, yeah, I know that kid, God did that. You know, like no one else can get the, the credit for that. And it was just one of these years. Kids were surrendering their lives to Jesus and they were surrendering their drugs and they were starting a, a brand new life and being transformed and, and starting to get a grasp of the plan that God had for them. And, and, I, and I won't forget this. It was after a particular youth event that a young man, I can see him now. I, I can, I'm back at this day, at this moment. He was standing before me. He approaches me. His head is down. He has long hair that's on the sides of his face, long black hair. He has torn jeans before torn jeans were cool. He has a black Avenged Sevenfold band t-shirt. How do I know that? The shirt said Avenged Sevenfold. And... As he began to gently, lightly lift his head and look into my eyes as tears were streaming, he said, Pastor Joe, I'm going back to the group home today. My foster parents, they don't want me anymore. And I remember in that moment, my heart sank, my heart broke. After all, this kid, he hadn't seen his biological parents since he was six years old. And he's gone from home to home to home. 
And so when he told me this, I was in a state of complete shock. It's kind of like when you turn on the news and you see something unbelievable, you don't know what to say. You don't know how, what to react. You don't know what to tell someone else that it's impacting. You just, you're lost for words. You're in shock. You don't know what to do. This was this kind of moment for me at this time as this young man was telling me this. And the thing is, he had nowhere to call home. I can't imagine the amount of pain and the amount of rejection that he had to go through, the amount of hopelessness that he felt because he had no family, he had no father, he had no mother. This was his reality. And I don't know what it was like for you to grow up in your home. Maybe you can relate with this young man. Or maybe you're like me. Maybe you were raised by an immigrant mother. Or maybe you had both of your parents and your upbringing was pretty amazing. And maybe you're thinking to yourself at this moment, I cannot relate with this. But I can tell you this, we can relate with the pain and the rejection that this young man felt that we all question inside of our souls and ask ourselves this question where do I belong I don't know what your life was like and I and, and, and I don't know what you've experienced but I know that we've all experienced rejection hopelessness and pain and this reveals a very important thing that I want us all to, to get is that the way we deal with the pain of rejection can actually have a direct impact on how we relate to God. What ends up happening, we begin to form a theology around who God is, meaning theology basing, um, basing an understanding of God that is based by our own experiences and, and loss of expectation. We begin to think that God is a certain way when he isn't. And it's not like we do this on purpose. It's not something that we do consciously, but it's in these crucial times in our lives that help shape the way we relate and we connect with God. And today I want to share with um, the room today, with this house today, a parable that Jesus shares that show us what God is like. He doesn't just show us what a God is like. He shows us what the God of the Bible was like. And he shows us that the God of the Bible was less of a disconnected authority figure and more like a loving parent, specifically a loving father. That's what Jesus showed us. But before we get into this parable, I think it's important for us to kind of understand that these parables were tales and stories that Jesus shared with common people. And he used common themes so that they can understand, compare and contrast what they thought about God and compare it to what Jesus was revealing to them about God. Because what Jesus did is he, he used relevant illustrations to teach the truth of God. Jesus created, uh, creatively communicated in such a way to simplify what religion made complex. That was the reason the 
the purpose behind these parables that Jesus used. And so if you're taking notes or if you're like, when are we opening our Bible? We're going to be reading out of Luke chapter 15. And the title of this message is True Expectations. And the main theme of this chapter of the gospel of Luke, we can see in verse 7 and verse 10. And what it shows us is that Jesus is showing the people that he is teaching heaven's response to a person who reconnects with God. In other words, he shows us here what, how heaven reacts when someone who was lost is now found and when a sinner reconnects with God. And I think it's awesome that he used multiple parables to illustrate this. To illustrate the joy that stirs up heaven. When God reconnects with his sons and with his daughters. So we're going to read together Luke 15. We're going to start at verse 11, go to verse 32. And we're just going to read right through it. And it says, There was a man who had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of property that is coming to me. And he divided his property between them. Not many days later, the young man gathered all he had and took a journey into a far country. And there he squandered his property in reckless living. And when he spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country who sent him into the field fields to feed pigs as he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate and no one gave him anything but when he came to himself he said how many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread but I perish here with hunger I will arise and go to my father and I will say, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But while he was still a a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion, ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and, and before you. I am no longer worthy worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, bring quickly the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring the fattened calf and kill it and let us eat and celebrate. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found and they began to celebrate. If you clapped, you probably know why this is so exciting. In this parable, we have a Jewish father with two sons. The younger son comes to the Jewish father and he says, Hey, I'm not going to wait until you die to get what you're handing down to me. You're pretty much dead to me now, so give me what belongs to me so I can go do my own thing. And what's interesting to me is even though the older son did not ask for his inheritance, he actually also received the inheritance that was due to him. And, 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 and if we continue to read and, and what we read together, we realize that the father gives the younger son what he asked for. It was in 
Deuteronomy, where it was set that in the hierarchy of the eldest son, that the oldest son would get a double portion or would get much more of a portion depending on how many children he had to divide it through. And in this case, the younger son wasn't even getting a whole lot compared to his older brother. And so the father divided it rightly so. But just a section below that in Deuteronomy, we actually see something else that reveals the heart of God for you and for me. What happens is it says, if your son is rebellious, bring him to the elders of the community. We'll take him outside the city gates and we'll stone him. And so that's what the father had the right to do. But instead, we see that he shows mercy and love and grace. And he gives his son what he wants. And what's interesting about that is the son just wanted control of his life. He wanted to, to shape his own destiny. How many of us live in that way? We want God's blessing, but we don't want his leadership. We just want what belongs to us, and we're going to make our destiny work our own way. See, the younger son, this was what he was doing. But we see the mercy and love of God because God honored his free will. The father honored his son's will. He didn't make him obey him. He didn't force him to do what he would say. He could have took him to the elders. He could have forced him to do what he wanted him to do, but instead he lets him go on his free will. And this reminds us of what God did in Genesis in chapter 3 when he created the first man and the first woman. He gave them dominion over the land, over the sea, over the animals, and over everything, but he gave them a free will and a free will is the right to say no to God because God didn't want robots God didn't just want uh, emotionless passionless uh, beings to just do and jump when he says jump and obey and at the very dime of the moment that wasn't God's plan since the beginning because you can't have a relationship with a robot God is the father and he wanted sons and he wanted daughters that was that is why he created free will he wanted sons and daughters, and here you see in this parable that Jesus is reshaping this Jewish audience, their perceptions of who they think God is. So Jesus is using this example to show them, hey guys, I know you think God is this way because of what our ancestors said, but I want you to know that we have a father that's full of mercy and he honors your free will. And what I love about this is that you can see here from the beginning of time, all God wanted was a family. If someone understands the sacrifice, man, I'm a dad to two little girls, and we don't want more children because it's hard. If anyone understands the sacrifice that it takes to raise and build family, it's him. It's him. It's God. He understands so the youngest son, he decided to grab what is his and go off to a distant land far from his father to do his own thing and follow his own plan when we realize that the son is living wildly and he dries up all his resources. So just so that we can be in the story, just all of us together processing this, there's something that we have to notice. This younger son 
came up with the plan to grab his inheritance and leave. That was his first plan. Now he came up with a second plan because his resources dried up. And he's like, man, I need to get a job. You know, I need to get a job. I'll get a job. I'll find a job. And I'll be okay. I'll get myself through this. In my own strength, I will get through this. And so that was his intention. And so, uh, and, and so that was his intention to, to get a job. But what's interesting to me is it's when he runs out of his own resources and he's broke as a joke that he's like, oh, wait a minute, I'm in trouble. Maybe I didn't have this all figured out. Maybe I couldn't see what was ahead. Maybe things don't happen the way that I think they're going to happen. And so the son gets a job and he begins to work for a citizen of this place. And this is the worst case scenario. This Jewish boy was hired to care for pigs. His boss probably knew that that wasn't acceptable for him because he was obviously not from there and he was obviously a foreigner. And it was in his lowest point while he was feeding the things that were considered to be unclean to his faith this would have been the most disgusting job for a Jewish person. This violated the very conscience, conscience that he had, but he was very desperate. And it was while he was feeding these pigs the pods uh, that he became hungry. Now these pods were a fruit that came from the region of Syria and Egypt. These pods were very economical, actually. If you were a pig farmer, they were cheap. They barely cost anything, but they would fatten your livestock enough or your, your pig stock. I'm not sure what the term is for that, but enough to sell them and make a profit. But the problem with these pods is that even though they tasted sweet, they had zero nutritional value. Let's just be real for a moment. I'm going to share my heart with you. These pods are a lot like celery. <laughs> they say they're good for you, but they do nothing for you, and it actually burns more energy than it gives you. That's crazy, right? And if you give, begin to think, not too long ago, we used to think a lot of crazy things were good for us. Like, I don't know, radioactive water? Like, that was a thing that people were drinking. And then, I don't know, maybe they found out it causes cancer and that it was dumb. Or not too many long, not too long ago, we added controlled substances into our Coca-Cola called cocaine. And we thought that was a brilliant idea until we realized it was eating our stomach and messing up our brains. Um, and and, and then, then there's vitamin water. Just because we saw 50 Cent on the commercial, we're like, yeah, this is healthy. He has them abs. I want them abs. I want some vitamin water. If you don't know who 50 Cent is, that means you, you're really close to Jesus. And if you do know who 50 Cent is, that probably means that you're here to meet him. Uh, I'm just kidding. But these pods. But really, that's not even the most thing that really bothers me. Celery. I'm still praying. I'm praying for a revival, y'all. I'm praying that someday we'll get it through our thick skulls and condemn completely kale and seaweed chips. Is anyone with me? That's disgusting. Someone just got up and left. I'm just kidding. 
There are the things in our life that we feed ourselves that replace our relationship and trust with God. It may taste sweet for a moment. It may be satisfying. We may actually think it's us a little bit, but it's actually eating us from the inside out because it actually carries no nutritional value. We feed our souls sex and envy and lust, but if we get deeper and we get real, we feed ourselves human approval. We live to be liked. We, we, we sacrifice everything in the name of success at the cost of our family, our walk with Jesus, in our, our relationship, in our marriage. And just like it says in the Bible, we, when we live this way, we end up gaining the whole world. But in the same process, we lose our own soul because we give ourselves over to the things that have absolute zero substance. This younger son, he comes to his senses and he realizes that he made a mistake. So he comes up with this third plan, a master plan. He, he creates this speech on how he's going to be received and allowed to go back home, not as a son, but this time as a hired servant. Meaning, hey, dad, I know I, I crossed too many lines, so I can't be accepted back as a son. But hey, I'll work for you. I'll work for you. I don't expect you just to give it all back to me. I'm going to, I'll just work for you and I'll just be a hired servant. This was his plan and I can imagine him, if he's anything like me, he probably wrote out this really cool speech on Google Docs and he, he went in front of a mirror and he rehearsed it and he might have even learned a few techniques to, to fake a few tears. I don't know, but he had a master plan on how to get back into his father's dominion. And it was up to this point that none of his plans were successful. His plan was to go to his father, confess his fault, uh, reveal where it obviously led him, and plead to become a hired servant. He came up with the very perfect pitch, so perfect that we read it twice in scripture there. But this is how I imagine it all happening. I imagine the son going, all right, I'm going home. I got my speech ready. I made sure that uh, I, I, I got it. I got it memorized, and I'm, I, I know how I'm going to present it. I know when, how I'm going to respond when I see my father again. And so, what ends up happening is, is as the son trails back home, as he comes over the horizon, I imagine the father seeing his son, and he's like, "Oh my goodness! I knew he was coming back." And the father doesn't wait for his son to reach him, but he runs to his son, and the first thing that he does as he hugs his son. He embraces his son. He kisses his son. He welcomes his son. He loves on his son. And the son opens his mouth and begins to give his plea. Hey, I'm not worthy to be called your son anymore. I, I, I know I've messed up. I know I've done so wrong. I know I crossed too many lines. Hire me as your servant. And in the middle of his speech, the father interrupts him and tells his servant, commands his servant, hey, let's get this guy a really nice coat. Hey, let's put a ring on his finger. And hey, my son is barefoot. Let's put some shoes on him. Let's not just put any shoes on him. Let's put some St. Laurent's on him. Let's put the new Jays on him, the Travis Scott's on him. Um, this is my son. He was lost, but now he's found. He has finally returned. The father was expecting a restored relationship. 
And I can think about the people that his father was friends with or around town that were like, hey man, old man, why do you keep going out there? He's good as dead. You're good as dead to him. And if he does come back, don't take him back. Look what he did to you. Look how he dishonored you. Are you crazy? You are wasting your time. But the father, he didn't listen to any of that. He had so much love in his heart for his son, and he couldn't wait for his son to come back. And his plan, the father's plan, was to always receive him, to not condemn him, to forgive him, and to restore him. That was his plan. But he refused to respond that way. And I can imagine him as he sees his son in rags, and he probably smells really bad. I mean, he was working with pigs and, and I mean, he didn't have any shoes on, so he was in a real tough spot. But the Father's actions show us this about the God of the Bible. It shows us that God is a God of restoration. Somebody needs to hear that this morning. Someone needs to believe that, that God is a God of restoration. Restoration means the bringing back of something to its intended purpose. See, the robe that was put on on the sun was a talar. It was a long white garment, um, upper garment, commonly used by proper, the proper Jewish people at that time. This represented when the coat was placed on him that his honor was restored. The ring and the shoes would have identified a free man. Back in that time, it was very common for slaves to be barefoot. And so when the shoes and the ring were placed on him, this represented his freedom. Now the calf, the chunky calf, the fatted calf in party, this sealed the whole deal. This sealed the whole and his whole intention all along. This represented a restored relationship. This is a beautiful illustration of God the Father's heart towards you. He created you for relationship. And even if you're not following him right now, he is ready to receive you, honor you, free you, and restore his relationship with you. happened to you in a coffee shop like I'm in coffee shops a lot and and uh, maybe maybe you got a big project going on or you got some important emails but for whatever the reason you can't just focus in your house because there's like way too much to do or or it's summer now so like the kids are home so you just need to go somewhere find a coffee shop put in your headphones listen to your Jesus jams and just like send out this important email that is really weighing on you because you have to get it done and 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 in the process you're just minding your own business you're sipping your latte, you're enjoying life, God is good, when this weirdo pokes out his head with a big smile and he starts to engage you. He starts saying things like, what's your name? My name is Billy. What do you do for a living? How many kids you have? And you start to wonder, because in your, you're in Las Vegas, let's be real, you're like, should I be concerned right now? Do I need to call the police? Should I run out as soon as I can? Should I call my friends for backup? 
Has this ever happened to you? You're like thinking, what is this guy's intention? Maybe you're here today and you need to be reminded that God is a good God and that his intentions towards you are good. He's not looking to condemn you. He's not looking to make you feel guilty and bad for the things and for the sins that you've committed. He's not wanting to abuse you. He's not wanting to take advantage of you. His intention is to extend his mercy and his love towards you because God wants to restore you. It doesn't matter how long you've been away in a distant land. It doesn't matter how far gone you feel you are. God is ready to receive you with his loving arms. So today, if you're considering to making that decision to follow Jesus, we don't have to fear rejection because he promises his embrace to you today. And maybe you're here and you're far from God. Maybe you're like the younger son. Maybe you used to have an active relationship with Jesus, but then somewhere along the way, you just, you kind of went your own way, did your own thing, created your own goals, where God was really not even a priority, and you're realizing now that you're sick and tired of living a life that is purposeless. That the things and the things that you're building or working so hard to build towards are actually leaving you emptier and more broken inside. Because the moment that you achieve this level and that level and this level, nothing ends up becoming enough. Maybe that's you today. Today, through faith in Jesus, you can be connected with God. You can be made right with God and the awesome thing about this, just like we read in that parable, is that the Father is actually expecting your return. He's expecting. He's ready to receive you. He's ready to, to celebrate you. And all we have to do is come to him. And he will restore your honor. He will restore your freedom. And he will restore his relationship with you. Would you please stand? I love what the Bible says in Romans 10, 9. It says that if we believe that Jesus is Lord and that God raised him from the dead, that we will be saved. And so if you're here today and maybe you're not following Jesus, that is for you. Or, or maybe you're a believer and you're realizing and God is showing you and the Holy Spirit is speaking to you in this moment and you're realizing that the, there are things in your life that have been like these pods that you've been feeding yourself. And you're actually realizing that you're actually not okay. Everything from the outside may look like it's the way it's supposed to look, but if you were honest with yourself in this moment, you're like, man, I need to give God my trust again. I need to give God my hopes again. I need to give him control. I need to stop trying to do things my own way. Or maybe you're here today and you've heard this message and maybe you always thought that God was an angry judge when actually he's a loving father. And so whatever your situation, he's the God of your need. I want to pray for you this morning. If you would just bow your heads with me so we can pray.
Dear Heavenly Father, I just thank you for these amazing people and for the people that have been following you for years and have been faithfully following you. I pray, Lord, that your word because we believe it's living, would begin to shape and stir things up on the inside, Lord. So were there things in our lives that are actually these pods, Lord, that we would replace feeding on that and we would begin to feed on your promises, feed on the things that you have for us, feed on the purpose and your plan for us, Lord. And maybe today, maybe we are a believer, but we don't think you're good. We've shaped a theology that isn't true and it's caused us to interact with you incorrectly. I pray, Lord, that you would just take just that shade and that lens off right now in the power of your Holy Spirit so that we can see you truly as you are, as Jesus taught us about the Father's mercy, about the Father's love, about the Father's inclusivity, Lord, that we would see you and relate with you as you actually are. I thank you, Lord. Because your grace is sufficient. Your love is sufficient. You're not here to make us feel bad for the way we've gone or, 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 or the areas in our life that we need to grow. But you're there every single step of the way. And I give you thanks. In Jesus' name, if you can keep your heads bowed, please. If you're here today and you want to make a decision to follow Jesus, like I said, all you have to do is come to him. He's not going to reject you. He's going to open up his loving arms and he's going to welcome you home. Today is your day. Today is the day that can change everything for the rest of your eternity. You have God's calling on your life. He, he has his plan uh, written for you. And if today, if you want to make that decision, decision to follow Jesus. All you have to do is say yes to him. A prayer won't save you. Coming to the church won't save you. But coming to Jesus will save you. And so if you're here this morning and you're like ready to surrender to him and give your life to him, just so that I know who I'm praying with, if that is you, could you lift up your hand on the count of three? One, God loves you. Two, God wants to restore you and he wants to launch you into your purpose. Three, if that's you, lift your hand. Just wherever you're standing, I see your hand. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Is there anyone else in this room that wants to make that decision to follow Jesus? Is there anyone else? God sees you. Amen. One last thing we're going to do, worship team, is we're going to pray this prayer together. And if you're already a follower of Jesus, I want to invite you to say this prayer with us because we're on this journey together. We're family. We're the body of Christ. We're the sons and daughters of God. And so repeat after me, dear Heavenly Father, thank you for sending Jesus to die for me, to raise for me so that I can be forgiven so that I can have a new beginning. Today, I make a decision to follow Jesus. Today, I'm a Christian, a follower of Christ, a son of the most holy God. And today, for the rest of my life, I will follow you. Come on, everyone. Let's worship. Let's give him praise. Let's lift his name. We serve a loving father. He is good, and he has good plans for Thank you for listening to today's message. Avenue Church is a Christian church located in Las Vegas. For more information, visit avenuechurch.cc.